Good morning, church. Good to see all of you. Glad that uh, you are here. It is a great and good day, a day the Lord has made, a day He has told us to rejoice and be glad in it. So if you haven't been glad yet, you need to work on that. Uh, the day's still young. you got plenty of time. Uh, a couple of really important things. Uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, there will be a reception for Jared and his family. In the meantime, there should be some envelopes in the pew back in front of you that says love offering, and you have an opportunity uh, to uh, give that love offering to Jared and his family. I know that you'll be faithful in doing that. Also, as you came in, and we talked about this a little bit, you received the nomination sheet for the search team. I'm going to tell you, there are a few things more important in the life of the church than selecting the search team who's going to go look for God's man to be your next pastor. So I would really encourage you to pray about that this morning. I know that you have been, but continue to pray about that. Uh, and while I'm preaching, you can write names down. That'll give you something to do. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, collect those at the end of church. I think uh, those will be counted this afternoon by the deacons and by the leadership team. And then that announcement will be made. But isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it exciting that you get to select your search team? Because that means they're going to begin very quickly looking for the man that God has prepared to be your next pastor. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that, that wasn't very excited. Y'all should be really excited about that. And yeah, I'm excited about that and, and can't wait to see who the man is that God has, uh, has prepared to bring and be uh, your next pastor. Uh, you have great days ahead of you, church. In fact, I'll just go out on a limb and say your best days in the life of this church is, are the days ahead. And I know you've had some glorious days in the past, and don't you dare be offended because you are. You have to come apologize to me. You've had great glorious days in the past, but your best days are in, ahead of you. So get busy. Pray uh, for the selection of that team. Pray for that team once they're put together, and let's see who God has prepared to come be your next pastor. So today is our second installment of our Upside Down, Inside Out Life from uh, the book of Proverbs. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you to find that. As, as we talked about last week, uh, life is, is like a series of forks in the road. That sounded a little bit like Bubba Gump, didn't it, right there? Life is like a series of, of forks in the road. One, one fork is always the road to uh, wisdom. The other uh, uh, fork is the path to foolishness. And that's really <clears throat> the way that you ought to view uh, the book of Proverbs. It's about wisdom and foolishness and, and about the road to, to, to wisdom and the path to foolishness. Now, one of the things that I want you to think about is you think about those forks in the road, one being wisdom and the other being foolish. Among other things, that means that there's no somewhat wise and there's no kind of foolish. If the fork in the road is the road to wisdom or the path to foolishness, then there is, there's no other choice. So it's either wise or it's not. It's either foolish or it's not. And so today we want to kind of continue to, 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 to build on that a little bit more because I understand that in life we are constantly and consistently coming upon these choices of the road to wisdom or the path to, to foolishness, which just means that every one of us, me included, every one of us is just one decision from foolish. Doesn't that encourage you? We're just one decision from doing something stupid. That's the way we'd say it where I grew up. 
So today I want to just build on this notion a little bit more of, of the road to wisdom and the path to foolishness. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2. I'm going to read the chapter to you, but I'm really going to encourage you to keep your Bibles open and a pen handy because there will be some things in the chapter that we'll go back to as I'm teaching that you'll want to underline and, and, and make some notes so that you can get back to it later, not because of the value of what I'm going to say, but because of the utter importance of what God is going to say to you when we read this chapter together. Let's pray, then we'll read God's Word together, and then we'll spend a little time uh, unpacking it and seeing what it is the Lord would say to us today. Father, we are grateful for this Lord's Day, grateful for this group that has gathered today. God, we are grateful for those who are getting ready to come to Sunday school, and it'll be here at 1030. God, remind all of us that it is your day. It is the day of the Lord, and, and we ought to be rejoicing and excited and happy that we can be a part of what you're doing. God, we thank you for the songs that we've sung and, 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 and the fellowship that we've enjoyed. We thank you, Father, for your word that we are about to read. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you have given us this word. Help us to be good stewards of it. Help us to be great partakers of it. And God, help us to be folk that willingly and readily share with others the incredible truth and, 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 uh, and power of your word in our lives. God, help us today. Help us today, Father. We need that. I pray for these folks as they think about nominating uh, their, their fellow church members to serve on the search team for the next pastor, God, that you will direct that process. And, and, and as those nominations are counted, that it, it, will be, it will be obvious that you're right in the middle of it. God, that you're directing it and that you're putting the team together to go find the man that you have prepared to come and lead this great church. God, we thank you for all of that and for the incredible privilege of being able to watch it happen. Help us, Father, to see your hand in the middle of it. In the blessed name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. And all the Lord's people said, amen. amen. Proverbs chapter 2. Are you there? Three of you are there. I'm going to start reading. Y'all catch up to me. Chapter 2. My son, ladies, that doesn't leave you out. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I'm in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and uh, watching over the way of his saints. I'm in verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be present in your soul Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted or devious speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perseverance of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsake the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. 
So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. If I ask you this morning how many of you would choose the path of wisdom over the road to foolishness, almost all of you would say yes, right? If my choice is the path of wisdom over the road to foolishness, I'm going with wisdom every time, right? We would all agree on that. Even as Southern Baptists, we would find that agreeable to all of us. But... If I ask how many of you at different times in your life have chosen the road to foolishness, almost all of us would have to say, yep, been on that road before, right? Y'all are looking shocked that I have been on that road before. I've been on that road more than you'll want to know about. And, and then honestly, you have been on that road more than I want to know about. Come on, church. Now, let's just be honest. At least be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with me, we've all been on that road to foolishness. Amen, amen. I'll amen myself if you won't amen me. We'll, we'll get her done. We are all guilty of doing foolish things. We are all guilty of doing stuff that was just stupid. So why do we do that? If we know there is a path to wisdom and a road to foolishness, why do sometimes we choose that road to foolishness? Why do we do that? Well, sometimes, sometimes we feel drawn to the road of foolishness because it looks better. Doesn't it? It looks shinier. If it didn't, we would never go on it. Sometimes we choose the road to foolishness because it looks easier. If you ever, ever choose it because of that, oh, this will be easier. Let's go this way. Let's do this. Sometimes we choose the road to foolishness because there are more people on it. And if everybody else is on it, it can't be all bad. Don't we, don't we, don't we play that game in our heart? Don't, don't we convince ourselves of that? And you know, the, the, reality, the reality is sometimes we choose the road to foolishness because we're not sure when we come to that fork in the road, which is the path to wisdom and which is the road to foolishness. You've been there? You come to that, that juncture in the road and, and you're thinking about which, which way should I go? And you, you can't tell. You're standing at that fork of the road and, 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 and sometimes, sometimes we're just not sure. Sometimes we're just not sure which is the road to wisdom. Now, obviously, sometimes it's really easy to know. Come on now, if, 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 the, if the fork that you're standing in is do I get drunk or do I not get drunk, that's easy. Drunkenness is foolishness. Drunkenness is being stupid, right? So if the choice is do I get drunk or not get drunk, yeah, we, we get that fork in the road. That's pretty obvious. But, but have you noticed in life that not all of the decisions that we're faced with are always that obvious? Sometimes they're, they're not so obvious to us, right? I mean, next time you're wanting a new truck and you go down to the Ford dealership, because I can't imagine why you'd buy any other kind of truck. Amen. Amen. I knew we'd get a response from the crowd. And you're standing there staring at that shiny new Ford truck. 
and you're trying to decide, is it the wise thing to do to buy this truck or not? How many of you have been in that little quandary? Yeah. And you know good and well, as soon as you buy it, you're going to think, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life, right? But we've been in that decision, right? So how do we know? How do we know in that situation what is the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do? What, what about, what about when, when, when you're offered a new job? You ever wonder then about what the wise thing is and what the foolish thing is? What, what about whether, whether you should marry the one that you're dating? Now don't, don't you dare stare at your spouse right now. Don't you do it. <laughs> because sometimes you think, is this the wise thing to do or the food? Don't look at her. Just look at me. Stay right here. Stay focused right here. But see that, it, sometimes these decisions are not as obvious as we really want them to be, right? And we get stuck. Because we're not sure what is the road to wisdom. And we're not sure what is the path to foolishness. So how do you know? That ought to be the question. I mean, if you're on this journey with me and you're thinking about wisdom and foolishness, you ought, you ought to be wondering, well, how do you know which of these decisions are wise and which are foolish? Look in verse 6. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Look in verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says the Lord gives wisdom. So here I am at this, at this fork in the road, this decision point of wisdom and foolishness. How do I know which is the wise way to go? Verse 6 says the Lord gives wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says if any of you lacks wisdom, that would be me. Two of us. The rest of you are like, really smart. If any of you lack wisdom, that would be us, right? Yes, yes, uh, yes yeah. It, it would, if, any, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you, do, you, do you see what, when you look in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, and you compare it with James chapter 1, verse 5, do you see what it is the Bible just said? If we lack wisdom, it doesn't say that God will give us wisdom. Stay with me. Stay with me. When we lack wisdom and we ask for wisdom, it doesn't say that God will give us wisdom. It says that he will give us wisdom abundantly. He will give us wisdom generously. He will, <laughs> he will give us more wisdom than we need at that decision point. And that ought to be helpful to us. That, 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 that he will give us wisdom. Are you tracking with me? He's not stingy with wisdom. God is not in the business of standing back with his arms folded, waiting on you to take the path of foolishness and then slapping you on the back of the head and saying, well, you fool, why'd you go that direction for? That's not the business of God. God has wisdom, abundant, generous, overflowing wisdom to give to those who ask. For it. He is not stingy with it. So here's the question. How is God able to give us more wisdom than we ask for? Because that's what James chapter 1 verse 5 says, right? 
that he will give it to us abundantly. He will give it to us. How is it possible that he has more than we need? Well, let me give, let me, let, 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 let me give you a couple of possibilities. One, he's God, which basically means he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen, amen. But look in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7, that he has wisdom stored up. How is it that he's able to give wisdom abundantly? How is it that he's able to give wisdom generously? How is it that he's able to give us wisdom to the overflowing? It's because he has wisdom stored up, according to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7. He has a bunch of wisdom in the storehouse. So I, I was thinking about that, and I say, well, what, what's a good analogy of that? And, and, and I think because my wife's not here, I can use this analogy and survive. When it, talks about, when it talks about God's storehouse of wisdom, men, it's kind of like your wife's closet. <laughs> There's more stuff in there than you could ever use. Amen? Yeah, there's not a brave man in the house. Is no, I'm not going to amen this one, Joe. Uh-uh. We're talking about wisdom and foolishness, and you're dragging me down the road to stupid right here. Yeah, I know, but do you, yeah, yeah. if any of you were brave, you would say, you know, Joe, you're right. Because there have been times I've gone into the, the, the closet in the master bedroom in our home and said, what, how would she ever use all of that? And the reality is she also has the closet in one of the spare bedrooms. And the reality is she, she has this, this portable closet thing in the garage sometimes. And, and she has clothes that she wears part of the year and not the other part of the year. And I'm thinking, no, no, it's just clothes. It's just, it's just clothes. But she has all these clothes. Y'all still aren't going to play with me, are you? You're just going to sit there and think, he'll get over this in a minute. Particularly if we don't react, if we don't say anything back, he'll get offended and he'll move on. But So, so imagine, if you will, when you go to God and, and say, God, I need, I need wisdom, that he takes you in this closet full of wisdom. More wisdom than you could ever need. <laughs> and, and imagine God reaching in the closet and pulling something off the rack and, and saying to you, here, here, try this on. I, I think this is the wisdom you need for this situation. And the next time you go and ask God for wisdom, God says, come, come, come go with me. Let, let's, let's come in here and look. And let's see what wisdom we can find for you. Oh, here, try, try this one on. And the reality is it doesn't matter how many times you go to God and ask God for wisdom, it is as if, as if he takes you into the closet of wisdom, into the storehouse of wisdom, and says, here, here's some wisdom just for this occasion. Now, if you're tracking with me, if you're going on this journey with me, then we should have brought this whole thing to a screeching halt. And here's why. If God is so generous with wisdom, then why are we so prone to being on the road to foolishness? Why do we have such a history of foolishness? Well, it might be, it might be that we haven't asked God to show us which fork takes us to the path of wisdom and which is the road to foolishness. Maybe, maybe we just haven't asked. But, but the more troubling possibility 
Hmm. Is that we really don't treasure God's wisdom. The, the more troubling possibility is that when we come to that fork in the road, we want to do so badly what we want to do. Watch out. That we don't ask God what path we ought to be on. Now, that, that's none of you guys. It's that 1030 crowd, right? I mean, I look around the room. I tell you, all ask God every time. No doubt about it. Amen, amen. Yeah. So, so, so continue on. Continue on this journey with me. Look, look in verse 4. Look in verse 4 and 5. If we seek wisdom, if we search for it like our car keys on Sunday morning, if we look for it like we look for our cell phone, if we search for it, then the Bible says we will know and we will understand what the wise thing is. Look in verse 5. Because the search for wisdom leads to the fear of the Lord. Now remember, in the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is not being terrified of God. It's not so, uh-oh, here comes God, I'm in for it now. The fear of, of, of God is not being afraid of God, not being terrified to God. The best way I can describe it for you is that when Proverbs talks about the fear of the Lord, it's talking about an openness to God. It is an understanding. Stay with me now. It is an understanding that he's not out to get me, but he's out to help me. That he's not out to hurt me, but he's out to heal me up. But for that to happen, I have to admit that God knows stuff I don't know. Amen? I did, no, no, you didn't do that. I have to admit that God knows stuff I don't know. Amen? Amen. Amen. Doesn't he? Just think about it this way. If God doesn't know any more than you know, then you don't need him. That offends you? You come apologize to me later. If God doesn't know any more than you know, then what, what good is he? Boy, y'all are a quiet bunch this morning. A little rainy Sunday morning just calms the whole thing down, doesn't it? But isn't it good that God knows more than we know? That if we collect all of our so-called wisdom and put it together, it is still minuscule compared to what it is that God knows. God knows more than any of us. God knows more than all of us. Stay with me. I have to admit, God, you know what I don't know. And God, I need to know what you know. The fear of the Lord is being open to learning from him. Opening your heart, opening your spirit, opening your mind, opening your ears, opening your opening yourself to the wisdom that God has for you. Now, if I said to you, how many of you want to wanna be open to God? How many of you want to learn from Him? We'd all go, yeah, yeah, this is Sunday morning in church, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how do you do that? 
It's easy for me to stand up here and chastise you and yell at you and cajole you because we need to be open. God knows more than we know. We need to be open to that. We We need to be open. But how do you open yourself to that? Look in verse 6. The Bible's going to tell you. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know how we open ourselves to God? We listen. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, let me tell you this. That voice that you hear in your head is seldom, if ever, the voice of God. Have you ever noticed that that voice that you hear in your head sounds remarkably like you? (laughs) Y'all ever notice that? You know why it sounds like you? More often than not, it's you. So we, so we have to be careful about listening to that voice in our heads. The, 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 the closest I come to that voice not being me and being God is when it's Gala's voice speaking into my. That's about as close as I get. But when it's my voice speaking in my head, one of the things I can almost guarantee you is that's not God. Because when it's my voice that I hear, I'm trying to convince myself that what I want to do is the right thing. I'm looking for someone to agree with me. I'm the only one that's ever done that, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've convinced myself a million times this is the right thing to do. It's the reason I have buyer's remorse when I go try trade pickups. Haven't you? Convinced yourself this is the right thing to do. Convinced yourself that, that th- this, this, this is what the next step should be. The, 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 reality, the, the reality is this. Look, look again in verse 6. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So where, where do we encounter the mouth of God? Now you've asked a great question. Because the Bible is the mouth of God. You, you, you want to know? You want to know what it is that God is saying? Don't listen to that voice in your head. Open the Bible. You want to be open to God? Open the Bible. You want to know what God has to say? Open the Bible. Because it's the Bible open before us as we read, as we wrestle, as we learn. That's one of the most powerful ways that God speaks to us. And the hard truth is sometimes we have a difficult time deciding whether the voice in our head is God or or not because we're just not familiar enough with the sound of His voice. We're not familiar enough with the direction of His words. And the reason we're not familiar enough with it is we haven't spent enough time in it. That hurt your feelings? Sometimes the, the reason that we, we have difficulty discerning God's will, sometimes the reason that we have difficulty discerning God's wisdom, knowing what it is that he wants us to do, is because we simply haven't spent enough time in his word so that we recognize his voice when he speaks. Y'all ready to move on? Please? So why is all of this so important? 
Well, again, I'm going to tell you, life is a series of forks in the road. Beginning in verse 12, the Bible gives us a couple of examples of forks in the road. Gives us a couple of examples of why the wisdom of God is so important. And the first one has to do with men of perverted speech. You see it? Look, look, at, look at around verse 12 and two, three verses after that. Men of perverted speech. Now this is not necessarily men that are guilty of cussing and lying, although that's part of it. This, this has to do with men with men who twist their words to change the truth that they're trying to capitalize on. Devious men who change and twist their words to create their own version of the truth to justify what they're doing or what they're not doing. Now, the reality is these devious men that the book of Proverbs speaks about here, they may very well be the successful guys, the powerful, the influential people. They may be the cool kids on the block that everyone else wants to be like. But as you look in Proverbs chapter 2, regardless of what they appear to be like, in their heart they are devious. In their heart they are guilty of twisting God's word to create the truth that they want. Imagine, if you will, that knowing this about this group of men, that one day you get an invitation to join them. But to join them, you have to become devious as well. What do you do? Let me tell you that if you wait until the day that you are invited to join them, you have waited too long. You see, you need to have made the decision about what you're going to do with men like that long before you're ever invited to be a part of it. You need to have been in the Word of God, the Word of God open before you, reading and wrestling and learning what God says so that so that you know what your answer is to this de- these devious men before they ever speak to you. The reality is if you wait until they are uh, trying to draw you into their scheme to decide what you're going to do, friend, you've waited too long. You're trapped. There's another example that this chapter gives you. Did, you. did you notice it as we, as we were reading together? It begins in about verse 16. And the other example is about a person who's already broken his or her wedding vows and is intent on getting you to break yours. And the best way to protect yourself in that decision is to make up your mind what you're going to do long before you're ever faced with it. The best thing that you can do today is open God's Word, read God's Word, and decide today based upon what God says that if somebody of the, uh, tries to come and, and convince me to break my, my marriage vows, this is what I'm going to do based upon God's Word. You need to make that decision today. Because if you wait until you are faced with that temptation, it's too easy to buy the lies of everybody's doing it, it's just going to be one time, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to get hurt. You hear me? 
All those lies come with that temptation. And friend, if you don't make the decision today about what your response is going to be when you come face to face with that temptation, the scripture would say you have waited too late. You're not going to choose the path to wisdom, but you'll trip down the road to foolishness. You see... God has all this wisdom stored up. And the way we access it is we open his word and become so familiar with his word, making our moral judgments and our righteous decisions today so that tomorrow when the temptation comes, we are prepared. We're ready. We know. You think, man, Joe must be done. No, there's some more verses left in this chapter. Don't you love it that there's some more verses left in the chapter? All God's people said, amen, Joe, amen. Teach them to us, Joe. That's what they said. But they said it quietly, silently, so that no one else heard them. It was a weird thing when it happened. I'm back. It was a nice little journey I went on, but I'm back with you. Look, look, look in verses 20 and 21. Why would you want to choose the path of wisdom? Well, you get to inhabit the land. You, you get to remain in the land. You, 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 you get to walk in the way of the good. You get to stay on the path of wisdom. Now look in verse 22. What's going to happen if you don't? Verse 22 says, But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. You see, when I look at those last two or three verses in this chapter, it is impossible for me to read that without thinking about Jesus and about the decision to follow him or not. Ah, there's a fork in the road, isn't it? To follow him is the, is the path to wisdom. I get to remain in the land. I get to stay on the path of wisdom. The, the other direction is the road to foolishness, and it leads to destruction. Did you notice? Did you notice it leads to destruction? So as we get to the end of the chapter, Isn't it amazing that the writer of Proverbs brings us back to this ultimate decision that I'm convinced is about Jesus? Do you choose him or do you not? Do you not choose him and choose the road to foolishness or do you choose him in the path to wisdom? And at the end of the day, friends, there's no third choice. There's no other option for you. We got A and we got B. You can't choose C. There is no C. You choose A and go with Jesus down the path of wisdom and inherit the land. Or you choose B and go down the the road to foolishness and die in the midst of it. That's kind of harsh, but it's true. So I would challenge you today, 
Make your choice. Make your choice. No more games. No more deviousness. No more playing with fire. No more playing a game. Just make your choice today. Am I going to go down the path of wisdom? Am I going to go down with Jesus? Go that way with Jesus? Or am I going to go this way with, with the enemy of my soul? Am I, am I going to choose wisely? Or am I going to choose foolishly? Am I going to go the right way? Or am I going to go the stupid direction? What are you going to do? I can't choose for you. You can choose, and I would challenge you to choose right now. What do I choose? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, that chapter two is good. So good that it puts us at this point of decision. And that's where I leave you at this point of decision. What? Are you going to choose? And if you've never chosen Jesus, then why not choose him today? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved, choose him today. Be saved today. And if you have chosen him, then commit. Commit right now to go with him, to stay in the word, the open word so that you know the voice of God when he speaks. And if you've chased off down that road to foolishness, turn around. Turn around and come back, will you? It's better over here. I promise. It's better. The altar's open. We would invite you to come. If you need to be saved, we'd love to have that conversation with you or to be baptized. We want to talk to you about that or to join the church. We want to talk to you about that. Or maybe you just need to come and repent. We'll pray with you. Or maybe you just need to come and publicly say, I choose the road to wisdom today. That's my choice.